Welcome into episode 98 of the Sports Gospel Show here on sportsgospel.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. I believe I said last week was episode 98, but this is the real episode 98. Andrew and Darren back with you. It is the final four-week edition of the show, and who saw these final four coming, On especially on the men's side? We're going to talk about the men's bracket, the women's bracket, and the return of Andrew's top five power rankings. We put that on the shelf for a little while while we really sunk our teeth into the college game, but we'll unveil that. And I suspect there's been some changes in Andrew continuing to disrespect the Cavaliers. That one constant's always going to be there. Uh, recording live on tape from Vegas this week, I'm missing the NIT games to record this. Uh, I believe currently have Wisconsin destroying North Texas, and then Utah Valley and UAB coming up after that. Uh, but Andrew, any any last-minute betting advice on the NIT games? I know I said I'm riding the Utah Valley bandwagon last week, but I've promptly bet on uh, UAB to cover the spread, <laughs> so I guess uh, I guess I'm rolling with UAB tonight. I did also take Wisconsin to win straight up, and I guess that looks pretty good. So, yeah, Wisconsin UAB for the NIT championship, I believe, is what we're looking at. I don't know enough about UAB, but I feel like that would be just because it's Wisconsin, it's going to be a slog doldrums game. That's what uh, uh, Wisconsin North Texas was supposed to be. The over-under was set at 115, and Wisconsin said, hey, we're going to play offense tonight. Which is a very non-Wisconsin thing to do. Right. The most non-Wisconsin thing to do <laughs> in my in my mind is actually play offense. Well, go Badgers. I'll, I'll jump on the last minute bandwagon, but I'm sticking with Utah Valley. My NIT championship was Vanderbilt and Oklahoma State, and they both decided to lose in the Elite Eight of the NIT. So go Utah Valley, Cougar, Bear, Lions. I can't tell what they are based on this image I'm looking at, but it appears to be a fearsome animal. Yeah, I, I believe it is a fearsome animal. I don't actually know, but I mean, you got the UAB Blazers with the dragon logo. How can you root against a team true. with a dragon? Like the, with the dragon logo. So, like, come on now. <laughs> it beats an owl. Sorry, FAU. More on them in a minute. Yep, that's that's for sure. So, I like the dragon logo. Give me UAB. <laughs> We'll jump back here in the NIT. Maybe we'll have some updates by the time we're done with this episode. But let's jump into this historic Final Four, a one that I'm convinced nobody in America, I don't, whether you're on Yahoo or DraftKings or wherever you do your brackets, I am convinced nobody in the world had these Final Four standings. But what a fun bracket it's been. I don't know how the TV advertising people feel about not having a blue blood involved and no Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, even Gonzaga, all those teams sitting at home kind of UConn there, but they're, I don't know if they're quite on that same precipice. I think this is way more fun. I like in the same when we get in the New Year's Six games, when we get a Utah or a Central Florida or somebody having a great year. I'm really excited about these final four. We'll sink our teeth into each one of these regions here in a minute, but just first knee-jerk reactions to the four we have left standing. Um, Like you said, nobody had this. Nobody anticipated this. I guess maybe... You could convince me that plenty of people picked UConn. I could believe that. And I certainly maybe had a notion to take UConn a little bit further than what I did, but didn't. But I think this, personally, I think this is incredible as a basketball fan. The TV people probably don't like it at all, like you said, but I think real basketball fans do like it, especially if your team's out. This is chaos, the chaos that you always root for. This is exactly what it results in and we've got 
three teams that have never, ever been there before. I think that's – so we're guaranteed to have one team that's never played for a championship play for a championship, and that's FAU or San Diego State. One of those two has never played for the whole thing, and they're going to on Monday night. Now, they may not win, but they're going to get the chance to play for a national championship, and so that's – uh I think that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I I love to see new teams like this in the parody. And one of these weeks we'll really sink into this, but I think it is this new transfer porter transfer portal NIL era of college basketball where you're gonna really level the playing field and your your one and dones aren't all gonna go to Kentucky and Duke and you may not have the ability to build a team. So somebody gets hot, can make a run like this. And I think I saw this on ESPN, but I'm quick scrolling back through here. Since they went to seeding in nineteen seventy nine, I this is the first tournament that doesn't have a top three seed. So UConn is a four is the highest seeded team left in this thing, which is, yeah, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm all for the history. Like you say, three all new teams, add Miami to that. UConn's the only team that's been there before, but yeah, no, no high seeds, all these new teams. I love it. Yeah. You're 100% spot on with your, with your stat there that this is the first final four with no one, two or three seeds. Um, nobody. So nobody really could have anticipated it. And it's probably, the highest combined number total. And like you talked about, the transfer portal is a big reason for this. Although a lot of FAU's players, their their big center, Golden, is a transfer. Um, but a lot of them are not. Um, San Diego State has a plethora of transfers that have played. But they have a lot of guys that have played five years of college basketball. You know, So that's what you kind of see is these teams that are able to kind of build guys that have stuck around in college for four years, five years, and these more experienced teams versus the kind of one-and-done built teams um, and how experience overcame those teams in a lot of these cases. So all these teams that we see here are, are experienced, veteran, senior-laden teams that are here in the Final Four. And I don't know how many of these guys you will ever see play in the NBA. There may be one or two guys sprinkled in here. I think UConn has a couple that'll make it. You know these players better than me. I think you're going to see a lot of players that this is the apex of their career. This is their their one shining moment is coming up this next weekend. Yeah, I think you're right. UConn has a couple, probably Sonogo, Jordan Hawkins, maybe Andre Jackson, although I'm not not real sure. Um, San Diego State might have a few. Matt Bradley possibly could see him get on like a summer league roster and maybe sticking in that kind of in like a G League two way type capacity. Um, FAU for sure prob- probably doesn't have any NBA guys. Um, Miami, I th- I think they have one in Isaiah Wong for sure. And Jordan Miller might have made himself some money on uh, the Elite Eight game with the game that he had. So possibly a couple from Miami, but you're right, not packed with one-and-done lottery pick stars here in the Final Four. Let's start there in that South region. And going back to our original bracket and when we did our re-picks, uh, we combined for zero correct Final Fours, whether it was Alabama, Purdue, Houston, Texas, Kansas, UCLA, um, Creighton, Kansas State. Uh, yeah, we missed on all of those. So go us. 
Well, I mean, we can start with the controversy of maybe Creighton should be here. Yeah, that was uh, that's I I felt so bad. It was so cool to see that inbound pass. Well, uh, we can just jump into the South Region, but yeah, I hate to see a game in that way. Yeah, I mean the the ending of Creighton San Diego State has been talked about ad nauseum, and I don't think we need to go into it too deep. But I'll just say this: if if you don't call it a foul in the first thirty nine and a half minutes, it can't be a foul in the last half minute of the game just I, you got to throw that out there just consistency the whole way through let the players decide the game um things should have gone to overtime and maybe creighton wins maybe they don't but personally my opinion should have gone to overtime yeah it it's one of those plays i thought wait i thought that happens all the time in a basketball game again you watch more and know more x's and o's than i do to me it felt like a rudimentary play that happens all the time and never gets called don't want to be accusatory and inflammatory but it felt like a little bit of a flop was tacked onto the end to really make sure they got the call and yeah I, like it kind of feels like that pass interference at the end of the super bowl you hate to see a game decided on something like that i couldn't believe he missed the one free throw there at the end that would have changed the whole game yeah, I thought we were headed to overtime, and I was a little concerned because as somebody who picked Creighton to bow out in the first round, I I thought Creighton would have taken them in overtime, given the opportunity. Um, most likely. Most likely. And I was really cheering for the guy to miss the second free throw, too, so we could get overtime that way. But alas, it did not happen. San Diego State moved on. Congrats to them. But, uh, yeah, So if I don't you- know. If you, yeah, if you missed the Sweet 16, so we had San Diego State hold down Alabama. I think it was close for a while, and then kind of there at the end, Alabama realized their shot was gone. So ended up with a seven-point spread, but may have been a little closer. Creighton seemed to be pretty well in front of Princeton this whole time. So we got San Diego State and Creighton. Uh, and then San Diego State, as we mentioned, winning by one. And we talked a lot about this, some weird seedings. I think you could argue Creighton should have been higher than a six. I was a little surprised San Diego State was at a five, but they've proven me wrong here. Looking back at the bracket, Creighton, uh, San Diego State, sorry, only gave up 60 plus points to Alabama. And that's one of the top five best teams in the country all year. 57 to Charleston, 52 to Furman, 64 to Alabama, and then 56 to Creighton. So we'll kind of talk about the matchup here. But the first thing that stands out to me is San Diego State, that lockdown hammer defense. Yeah, that's exactly what they want to do. I mean, we just talked a little bit about Wisconsin and them wanting to play a grinded out game. That is basically what San Diego State does is they play games in the 50s and the 60s and they're comfortable with that. They muddy up the game. They take the whole shot clock. But it's really they have a plethora of guards. You've got Matt Bradley. You've got Darian Trammell, Lamont Butler, Adam Seiko, they kind of just come at you in ways with these guards. And then Mensa, a rope, a rope. I mean, they've got all the great defensive day. Like they have all the great defensive pieces and they're cohesive on defense. And that really has propelled them. But FAU, um, they're not like this elite offensive team, but they play so well offensively like it they look like guys that have been playing together on offense for years with uh john l davis and greenlee and forest and boyd but yeah it's going to be real interesting because we've got great guard play both ways 
And I think FAU is okay with the, the slowdown style. I don't, I don't think they have a problem with that, actually. And that's, to me, San Diego State stands out. They're kind of like the hammer. I think they're going to beat teams up, play that defense. But of these four, to me, FAU feels like they play the best team ball. Maybe it is that senior-laden team and the veteran leadership. I'll admit, I did not watch a lot of FAU before this. I didn't watch a lot of FAU early. We forget they they beat Memphis by one point. So they got here by the skin of their teeth. They've played closer games. Uh, Memphis, Fairley Dickinson, Tennessee. You could argue before that, man, impressive, but maybe they, maybe they didn't prove anything. But then hanging in there in K-State and that slugfest and being able to go toe-to-toe with that wildcat offense what stands out to me is fau is that team ball how well they move they get up and down the floor they're athletic i do expect a dunk fest i feel like both these teams can get some of those highlight reel poster dunks but for me with the owls it's how well they work as a well-oiled machine yeah um and i just think fau is a little bit deeper than um some of the other teams that San Diego State has played, which is is kind of funny to say because we're talking about Alabama, although they were deep, but they were kind of young, right? So they're deep and veteran laden. And I think that really gives them an advantage. And they they play a lot of four-guard lineups, so maybe they'll be a little bit undersized when Golden comes off the court, but that's not the kind of thing that really hurts you against the San Diego State team. Um if you're if you're able to play with good guard play and limit turnovers, which I think FAU can, then they're going to be in this ball game. So I think this is going to be, I I think this is going to be a close, probably our most tightly contested ball game between the two. I really like, you know, maybe one team more than the other in the UConn Miami matchup, but I really think this is going to be our closest game of the night on Saturday. Best player in this game, John L. Davis, Matt Bradley, or other? I'll go Matt Bradley, but John L. Davis is not far behind. I'm looking back here, uh, also your beloved Ken Palm. So San Diego, number four in adjusted defense, and that's the best of all the teams left standing and obviously one of the best in the country, but 75th in the adjusted offense. Florida Atlantic... So UConn is by far the most balanced, three on offense, 11th on defense, Florida Atlantic, 24th and 29th. San Diego State has all the defense and no offense. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you have Miami with all the offense and none of the defense. Right. And the updated numbers do factor in the NCAA tournament games. So that, I mean, it, it looks even better for all three of those teams that are not UConn than it did before the tournament obviously because they've advanced and they played well enough to advance. So that's, uh, you know, I'm not saying throw the Ken Palm numbers out at this point in time, but I guess, yeah, I am pretty much saying throw the Ken Palm <laughs> numbers out. Unless you're talking about UConn, who's obviously the prohibitive favorite and with good reason. I'm trying to look at these schedules just to see, did we miss something glaring throughout the regular season for any of these four teams? San Diego State, 31 and 6 record at this point. They got smashed by Arizona early, lost close to Arkansas early in overtime, which may have been an indication we should have given them more credit. They lost to St. Mary's in a typical St. Mary's low scoring slog, but then they split with Boise State. They split with Nevada. I'm trying to see, oh man, did they pummel somebody? And they really just, there's nothing that stands out to me about the San Diego State schedule. And then Florida Atlantic is 35 and 3 at this point, which is impressive anytime you get to 30 wins. But 
losses to UAB, who we're currently potentially cheering on tonight, Middle Tennessee, and then they got destroyed by Ole Miss early. But they didn't really play anybody. So I'm trying to figure out, is there something in the schedule that we overlooked? But not looking at either one of their resumes, nothing stands out as, well, of course, this is a Final Four team. What were we thinking? Yeah, no, there, there's nothing that would have led you to believe pre-tournament that FEU is anything more than maybe a team that could win a game and give a, a one seed or, you know, give a, a really good second round game, right? That's kind of what I thought about FAU was they could win their first round matchup and, and make a really interesting second round game, but probably bow out. Uh, not anything like this, not anything like what we've seen. So I smart. I think the smart pick is San Diego state, but I like this FAU team. I want to get on the bandwagon for the first year coach and the Dusty and May story. And we haven't we've talked about the coaches here in a little bit. I want FAU. I think it's going to be a bloody heavyweight brawl. FAU 66 to 62. I think San Diego State's defense is going to be there, but give me the closest thing we have to a Cinderella, the team basketball of the Owls. Give me FAU 71 to 60, 61. Ooh, nice little cushion. A nice little cushion. And I'll, yeah. So FAU um, moves on and advances to Monday night. What do we have here? Do they have, do they have lines on this as I sit in Vegas asking this question? I believe it's San Diego State one and a half or two. And then currently at this point. No, I'll take, I'll take FAU to cover that. And over on the other side, Miami versus UConn. Uh, Miami, the, they feel almost as surprising as anybody to be here. Taking down Drake in a close game early, destroying Indiana, I think a game that surprised a lot of us, and then handling Houston. I did not see either one of those coming. I have no idea what's going on with Jim Laranega and how he's been able to do this two years in a row. And uh, Nigel Pack and Isaiah Wong, I think when we talked about our top 10 players still left last week, the only one still standing is Isaiah Wong. And they had a great game with Texas. I was following that. And yeah, well, Texas has this in hand and then Miami scoring late. This going 80 plus in three of their four games. Watch out for this hurricane team. But my goodness, UConn is terrifying. For my money, UConn is the best team left standing, which as we've learned in this tournament, best team doesn't mean you're going to win. Miami's been on a roll, but UConn is terrifying after what they did to Gonzaga. Yeah. Um, Miami kind of had a miraculous comeback against Texas. Texas really blew that game, and it was kind of wild because O'Meara went down for Miami with those four fouls, and they moved Miller to center in this undersized center role, and it kind of unlocks something for Miami, and they go on a run and make a comeback, and they're they're a really good free-throw shooting team. That's kind of what they've – done throughout this tournament is they have attacked the rim constantly with Wong and Pack and Miller. Like they, they constantly put pressure on you and get to the line and have kind of, you know, done. That's how they've won games is by getting to the line and just attacking and being more aggressive than the other team. And that's what they were able to do to Texas late. And it was critical in making that comeback. Um, so 
Yeah, and Larenig never been to Final Four. Miami. Well, wait, no, Larenig has been to Final Four. Sorry, with George Mason, but not with Miami. And Miami's program had never been until this year. So that's truly impressive. Uh, but again, they have good guards. But I do think, like you said, what UConn did to Gonzaga was was really scary stuff. I Mainly, like, Gonzaga is not any sort of a sloucher anything to, to laugh at, but UConn just made them look silly and it was Sonogo dominating inside and Newton looks good and Hawkins is shooting well. And if the UConn guard play is, is like that on Saturday night, then I don't really see how Miami stands a chance. I don't think Omir can stand up to Sonogo and Klingon, the two seven footers that UConn can throw out there. So for my money, I think UConn, the spread is five and a half. I think UConn covers that rather easily, and we get a UConn FAU championship. So bunch a weird, weird game. Uh, giving some due, uh, due credit to the Sweet 16 here. Like we mentioned, Miami handled Houston. Texas was rolling over Xavier. I thought that was going to be a close game for a while, and Texas had other ideas. UConn pummeling Arkansas. And then what a game, Gonzaga-UCLA. For some reason, these two in the tournament feels like it's always a money matchup. Phenomenal game. Drew Timmy played out of his mind. That was, Those were my two favorite teams. So to see him go head-to-head, Hawkes versus Timmy and uh, just those two teams. So I want to give some credit where credit is due before we all talk about what UConn did to Gonzaga. So you have two teams that scored 80-plus in three of their four games. UConn only put up 70 on St. Mary's, but St. Mary's doesn't believe in offensive basketball. So that kind of makes sense that you hanging 70 on St. Mary's as a feat. I'll, I'll go with you on UConn again. This is the one team that feels like they should be here. People were saying they are one of the best teams in the country. They had a weird slouch in the middle of the year. Looking back at the schedule, UConn destroyed Oregon when we thought Oregon was going to be something. Handled Alabama and Iowa State, two tournament teams. Oki State and Florida, and then they were rolling through the Big East early. This team started out 14-0. I mean, Butler, Georgetown, and Villanova are not the class, but they got beat up by Xavier, Providence. There was a stretch there. They lost 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. They went 3-6 and six for a little stretch there right after the new year. So whatever the other Hurley brother did, got this thing straightened out towards the end of the year. One bad loss to Creighton late, but they've really been on a roll. I'd for some reason, the month of January, they didn't play. But since then, this UConn team may be the best in the country. We just didn't see it or acknowledge it. Yeah, I think they just... Um, yeah, I don't really know. I think I think Tristan Newton and uh, Nike Moline and, and those guys, I mean, really just... They just started shooting better. Like, that was the problem was the guard play was just terribly inconsistent in that three and six stretch and... After that stretch, whatever they did, whatever they changed, just ended up in them shooting better, and that was that's kind of been the difference. So, um, yeah, like I said, if the UConn guard play is going to be as good as it's been throughout the whole tournament, then nobody really. I mean, it's it's they're really tough to beat. And looking at Miami's schedule, they're the team. If you're looking at this resume, you would absolutely not pick the Hurricanes. They got destroyed by Maryland early, lost to Georgia Tech, lost to NC State in overtime, lost to Duke. Okay, you forgive that one. Lost to Pitt. So some close losses. 
And then they lost to Florida State by one. So their losses were close, but they were just some not good teams. And they really didn't have any – Duke and North Carolina saw some good wins. But that Miami resume, nothing about that tells you, well, for sure, of course this is a Final Four team. Yeah, there was definitely nothing to indicate that other than just feel and maybe a belief in Jim Laranaga or you know, Miami turning it on at the right time like they did last year. Yeah. There wasn't a lot to indicate to have much of belief in any ACC team, really, but here they are. Now, our our beloved Big 12s and SECs and Big 10s are all on the sideline. The Big East snuck one through. And, yeah, yeah who saw, and that's who, the, the only real power conference. I mean, well, ACC, I guess. Big East versus ACC and Conference USA versus Mountain West. And we talked about them here a little bit, but our coaches – so Jim Laranega, we talked about kind of at length, had the Cinderella run with George Mason has been, he does this at Miami about every four years pops up. Uh, Dan Hurley has really kind of been the other Hurley brother for a long time. I think is now surpassing Bobby with what he's doing at UConn. Uh, side note to go back, we'll make our big picks here, but I'm with you. I'm going UConn. I've got a UConn FAU final predicted, which means it will be Miami San Diego state. Uh, but Jim Laranega, Dan Hurley, kind of the veterans that people know. Brian Dutcher, I know nothing about other than he is the current San Diego State coach. And then Dusty May, I think he's kind of become the the big talking point in his first year at Florida Atlantic and his first head coaching job. So four very diverse stories and four very different coaches left standing. Yeah, and with each and every one of them, it's okay to root for him because none of them have won a national championship. So regardless of who wins it all, I mean, UConn's won it all before, but not with Dan Hurley as coach. So although I will tell you that if UConn breaks through and wins this one, that might start a train of, you know, during the Calhoun era where you it seemed like UConn was winning all the time, although they really weren't. They were having a lot of success, but they were very ferocious in the – Calhoun era that might be kind of back again we might see UConn in a like a pseudo blue bud type run here with Hurley as their coach if he's able to break through and win this one yeah and I I hope he stays there I don't know how much higher you can rise than UConn in the college game or if he's has any aspirations for the pro game Dan Hurley feels like one of those guys. I think we talked about this last week. How long can Izzo and Bayheim and those guys stay in their current roles? Feels like feels like we're ready for a new crop with all the last generation really retiring. So not that Dan Hurley's this young pup, but you know, somebody new to be in there every year contending and join the likes of Tony Bennett and Scott Drew and those guys. I can tell you though that uh for most of the nation if Dan Hurley is in every year, he'll get really old really <laughs> fast with just some of his sideline antics and stuff. I think uh, a lot of people get annoyed with him really fast. I don't think we're we're sick of him yet, but some of his sideline stuff will get kind of annoying if UConn is here year after year. Again, there's no guarantee of that, but going on a deep run certainly helps out with recruiting and the basketball tradition that UConn has is a good one, too. So they could get things up and running here. So Dan Hurley went from Wagner to Rhode Island to UConn. He's made the tournament each of the last three seasons. Jim Laranega has been around forever. Can you 
Okay. We know George Mason. He was at George Mason for a long time in Miami for the last decade. Do you know where Jim Laranega coached before that? Not at all. He was at Bowling Green and something called American International, which appears to be a D2 school. Wonderful. Brian Dutcher is in his first head coaching gig after being an associate head coach for 20 years. Made the NCAA tournament four out of five years, and then he was also there for the tournament canceled year. And then Dusty May, and the head coach at Florida Atlantic, uh, going, sorry, I think I called him a first year coach earlier. First year in the tournament coach, I should have clarified. He's been at Florida Atlantic. This is his fifth season with them in their first yeah. trip to the NCAA tournament, like ever in the history of the school. I'm glad you brought up that COVID year with San Diego State because a lot of people don't remember that that year that co- the tournament got canceled because of COVID, that San Diego State was probably a one seed. They had like a 30 and two record, I believe. Like they were a 30 win team and yeah, 30 definitely and in the conversation for one seed, probably a two seed at worst. So um, they, they were maybe one of the prohibitive favorites and there's, guys on this current San Diego state team that are still around yeah, from that experience. And so this is kind of uh, prove it to the world. Hey, we're still here. The guys from that team, not all of them have gone. Some of them are still here and yeah, we're, we're hungry and that's why we made it as far as we did. So a little bit of something to prove for San Diego state. So, bit of a random impromptu trivia game here. UConn is in its sixth Final Four appearance as a college. They are tied with Arkansas, Cincinnati, Houston, Michigan, Oklahoma State, Syracuse, and Villanova. Can you name the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine schools ahead of them? Kentucky, one, UCLA, two, North Carolina. Three. Duke. Four. Michigan State. Five. And you said how many schools ahead of them? There are nine. There are nine schools ahead of them. I don't uh, think there's any that are really far out there. There's there's one huge name you're missing and then three like, oh yeah, those are good basketball schools. Louisville. Louisville. Wow, I did not Louisville's the one I thought you may struggle with. Uh Michigan. Incorrect. Michigan is tied with them, although they did have two vacated. But... Oh, yeah, that's right. You just said that. Um, let's see. Just going down the list of my, my blue bloods here. So I already got UNC, Duke, UCLA, Kentucky, Michigan State, Louisville, uh, Houston. Incorrect. Cincinnati. Incorrect. Those both, those both also have six. Oh. Oh, shoot. Man, I am... Hang you, on. You Let me... Give me a second. Yeah, okay. I won't give you any clues. No no clues yet. I don't know if we're... Oh, Kansas. There we Duh. go. That's, that's the big uh, one. Oh, wow. They've been 16. By the way, so North Carolina leads with 21. UCLA has 18. Duke and Kentucky, 17. And Kansas with 16. Wow. Um, Gotta think... Texas is up there. Texas is where is Texas? Texas only has three, shockingly. Hmm. All right. Um trying to think of another team that's been there quite a few times in my lifetime. Think of 
I know Florida has back-to-back championships, but I don't know if they really have that many Final Fours. Only five Final Fours. Yeah. One of these schools, I think, had their golden era really before we were around, and the other one's kind of just up and down every couple of years. Yeah, so... The conference, I think you'll get it quite easily. Golden era before we were around was at San Francisco back like in the days of Bill Russell. Not not that old. They do have three appearances though. Ooh, not that old, huh? If you're curious, Wichita State has two. Auburn has one. Charlotte has one. Dayton has one. Drake has one. Duquesne has one. Iowa State. Interesting. Mississippi State has one. Notre Dame has one. Wonderful. Oh, Indiana. <laughs> Indiana. There we go. You're missing Indiana. That was that was the biggest one you're missing. Yup. Um, hmm. You're in the right conference. Oh, Michigan. I said Michigan State already. Ohio State. There you go. Ohio State has ten Final Fours. Apparently, they they still play a third place game. They have two third places, five national title appearances, and one championship. Oh, interesting. No, no that's, third place game. That's the kind of Ohio State success rate I like to see. One out of ten. Wow. That's that's great. That's a great conversion rate there for Ohio State. Do you want to give Dusty May a new job next year? I certainly think he probably will have a new job next year. So I was looking at this. I, I can't imagine they're at least not going to knock on his door for this run he's had with Florida Atlantic. So looking at the jobs that are currently available, and also Texas just hired Rod, Rod Terry. Is that the guy's name? Who absolutely, yeah. I think, deserves uh, that job after coming in as the interim and taking um, the lead eight. He, he calls himself Rodney Terry, but he's really Giancarlo Esposito <laughs> from Breaking Bad. Nice. It's really just his Definitely. twin brother. And as actually just Giancarlo as a basketball coach. He gave up acting and decided to become a basketball coach, and that's Rodney Terry. Nice. Uh, he just got his job, so he comes off the list. I'm not saying these are the best basketball schools, but I'll give you the jobs that are currently listed as vacant, at least amongst your power conferences. So you've got Cal, Penn State. Uh, we'll throw South Florida and Temple in there. Texas Tech. And then maybe Valpo. I don't know if you consider Mountain or Missouri Valley an upgrade over the Conference USA. But really, your big, big schools are Cal, Penn State, and Texas Tech. Are you leaving FAU for any of those this year? Well, Cal and Penn State, I believe, actually just hired coaches, so those are off the board. I was busy today. They can't have news without me paying attention. Yeah, actually, Cal hired, I believe, former Laker legend, Stanford legend as well, Mark Madsen. Oh, nice. Tell Wikipedia to get updated. Um, And then I forget who exactly... Penn State hired for their coaching vacancy today. Uh, the VCU coach, Mike Rhodes, is going to be the new head coach at Penn State. I believe it's actually been offered, but I don't know if it's been taken yet. So I don't. I can't imagine he wouldn't. He would turn it down. So you're really Sounds looking. Like they offered him three million dollars per season to coach at Penn State. So. You'd really be looking at Texas Tech staying at FAU, or and he's a Florida guy. He was a Florida assistant for a while, been at FAU. I wonder if South, if South Florida would be considered an upgrade, or if they have the money, or if they're interested. I think it would 
probably be considered an upgrade in terms of money and maybe the facilities. Texas Tech would for sure be an upgrade, but I don't know if that's really the job you sprint to. Yeah, that feels like and, a place I want to stay away from given the last two coaches. Yeah. That, that I don't, I don't of, want to touch Texas Tech right now. That does kind of seem like a stay away scenario. But also, if you, if you think about it and you look at the FAA roster, I mean, there is a chance that some of these guys could come back. I mean, Boyd could come back, Don Davis. Um, they really only have one senior, and that's Michael Forrest. One senior that plays, I should say. We're looking at freshmen and sophomores here and some juniors that could be seniors next year. Like they're, they really don't have that senior laden experience. They're making their, this run with freshmen and sophomore guys that are really talented that they could just run it back next year. Right. So I, I, I'm not giving Dusty May a new job. I think he might stay and try and make another go with this, this group that he's got. And that'd be fun. I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready for it too. And who knows? Maybe he could even. You know, Forrest is probably out, and maybe another guy leaves. Hopefully not, but he might be able to, through the transfer portal, get another good team together and make another run. All right, anything else on the men's bracket that we need to discuss? I'm going FAU and UConn in the championship. For a money pick, UConn. For a fun, it'll make me happy pick, FAU. For I'm actually financially backing FAU to win it all. Nice. So I'm gonna stick to that, and I like, like you said, it's fun to root for the underdog, and so I'm gonna go ahead and pick the underdog. Although I really do think, you know, this I'm going with my heart on this one. I've tried to listen to my head this whole tournament, and it's failed me. So I'm going with my heart and picking an FAU to cut down the nets and win the national championship. Either way, we will have it and have our feedback here in the next couple of weeks, ready for a fun new Final Four with all this new blood and new teams, at least on the men's side. We're going to jump over here on the women's side and a lot more chalk in the women's bracket and the power kind of stays where you expect it to. Do you want to talk about your game first or second? Uh, Let's get to that one first. Although I think we definitely would be missing out if we didn't talk about how Iowa got there. All right. Well, we will let Andrew have his soliloquy here. The game he's been praying, wishing, hoping for March 31st, 6 p.m., at least in one time zone, South Carolina, Iowa, Aaliyah Boston's Ia Cook versus Caitlin Clark, Morgan Zanzano, Morgan Zanano, and the Iowa Hawkeyes. Gamecocks, Hawkeyes, one seed versus two seed, final four. It's here for you. Yeah. We finally got it. Is this going to be the most watched women's college basketball game of all time? In the state of Iowa? Uh, no, I mean in the history of women's college basketball. There had to be some UConn-Tennessee game, but it, you have to think the hype around this one will be there. Uh, because Iowa-Louisville had 2.5 million viewers, which is more than any NBA game on ESPN this season. Um and the most viewers for any women's college basketball game since 1996, since they've wow. been tracking these ratings. No, 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 not that game. 
the the highest number is uh, I believe a Yukon Tennessee yeah. championship. That's what I was thinking. It had uh, to be a Yukon Tennessee game somewhere in there. It was it was five a little over five and a half million viewers. Jeez. I don't know if Iowa South Carolina will break that, but I would not be shocked if it does come close. It does hurt a little bit that this game's going down on a Friday night around 9.30 East Coast time is when it's going to start because it's the second of the two games. Uh, but like you said, 6 o'clock West Coast time. But, man, that Louisville matchup with Van Lith and Caitlin Clark in the 40-point triple-double, which is the first ever of its kind in the history of March Madness, men's or women's, I mean, no one had a 30-point. Caitlin Clark had a 40-point triple-double. Absolutely incredible performance as Iowa went to the Final Four. Um, This matchup with South Carolina is going to be a really tough one, Um, obviously. Stating the obvious there with an undefeated team against Iowa, but I don't think... South Carolina is truly that unbeatable. Um, They do play good defense, but they manufacture most of their offense by grabbing a lot of offensive rebounds. That's going to be the main challenge for Iowa, I think, is can they defensive rebound? And, yeah, I really think that's going to be the whole key to the game right there. Can Iowa defensive rebound and limit South Carolina as much as possible to one shot. And if they can, I really think Iowa can break through and win that game. Um, I know that South Carolina is not going to let Clark beat them. So you're going to have to have a couple others step up, but I'm really looking forward to this matchup. I think this is going to be one of the best college basketball matchups we've seen in a long time. And that's, that's what I worry about. I'll, I'll pick the Hawkeyes just for you. I'll pick the Hawkeyes to win this one. It just feels like South Carolina may be deeper if Aaliyah Boston's off or they're able to stop her. South Carolina may have more weapons. I worry what happens to Iowa if they triple team, lock down Caitlin Clark. She has an off shooting night. Just I wonder do the Hawkeyes have the weapons that they can come back at South Carolina with? Yeah, I do think, you know, if you leave Gabby Marshall and Kate Martin and McKenna Warnock open, that they've shown that they're more than capable of hitting those shots. And so I think if you're South Carolina, you're probably willing to live with that and try and force those others to beat you. I do think Iowa can do that if they're able to keep South Carolina off the offensive boards. But I also think that Iowa might pack the paint on South Carolina because beyond, I don't really think South Carolina has the best three point shooting that there is. Um, Certainly not to the level of Iowa. I don't really think that's South Carolina's strong suits. They want to get it in with um, Boston, obviously, who's 6'5", but they also have a 6'7". I'm blanking on her name right now, but they also have 6'7 that they can throw at you. I mean, they, they want to jam the ball inside and shoot in the paint pretty much every time. So I think Iowa goes heavy all out to stop that and maybe gives up some threes that way, but would rather live with that. So 
it's going to be an interesting contrast and I'll, I'll go ahead and yeah, be a Homer and pick my Hawkeyes, but a lot of things are going to have to go right. I don't think that there's someone brought this up on Twitter and I thought it was a really good point uh, of what this game, this scenario reminded them of. It reminded them of the year of Kentucky with Anthony Davis versus Kaminsky and Sam Decker of Wisconsin. It reminded them a lot of that scenario here with the undefeated South Carolina looking like a, a future champion against the senior veteran laden team that maybe has a little bit more experience and kind of has a puncher's chance. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of putting that game on that kind of a level. If that makes any sense at all. Uh, Camilla Cardoso, six, seven is a junior center. They have, that's and her name. Boston, six, five, and I don't, again, I don't know enough about these players. They also have Leticia M here, six, four as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's she nice. comes in. And, yeah. She comes in and plays, um, to a little bit, but it's mostly Boston and Cardoso for most of the game. And Zaya cook is obviously incredible as well, but Bria Beal, I mean, that's the thing, right? Is South Carolina is a little bit like Alabama football where, they're just loaded up with these four and five star players. So they take off their current four and five star players and bring in a new five. And it's just four and five star players. And there's virtually no drop off. Iowa doesn't have that same talent level beyond Clayton Clark. They have good players, but they don't have players on that kind of talent level. So there is a bit of a talent gap there, but I think, shooting Iowa's a good shooting team and so that can kind of neutralize the fact that there is a bit of a talent gap if Iowa shoots the ball really well and they're they're gonna have to they can't have a bad shooting night to have a legitimate chance well in South Carolina just a random side note here they're really kind of an upstart program I think we've gotten used to them being amazing they're really kind of new to this postseason I think it's really kind of been since Don Staley got there. Champions last year made the final four in 2021, uh, made the final four in 2015. But really, they were not a they're not a UConn or a Tennessee. They're still pretty new to this elite level college basketball. Them in the Hawks, right. they're it's it's not quite a FAU San Diego State, but these are still two relatively new contenders. Yeah, 100. percent And I I do kind of wonder, you know, about the maybe the pressure of re- trying to repeat and being undefeated and trying to remain undefeated. Like that's not, it's not easy. And also I felt really, uh, I don't know if you watched the game with Maryland, the South Carolina, Maryland game, but Maryland was up by four points after the first quarter. Uh, and then it all kind of fell apart and, you know, I felt like South Carolina was allowed to be physical in some ways that Maryland maybe wasn't. And I'm not saying that the refs cost Maryland the game or anything like that. I feel like South Carolina would have overcome and won, but that'll be another piece of this too is, is this a kind of a tightly officiated game and does that favor Iowa? So there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors here at play beyond just maybe the on the court stuff there's kind of there's a lot of factors at play i think so uh going back to your earlier point something called sports media watch has what i believe are espn nielsen rankings 
since 96 when they started showing the women's tournament on ESPN. Highest ranked game is a UConn-Oklahoma tournament game from 2002 at 5.68. And then the game I think we were both referencing, 2004 UConn-Tennessee was right behind that. 99 Duke-Purdue. And then last year, South Carolina-UConn was fourth. So most of these games are in the last decade. They've really shot up in the rankings since about 2012. Uh, you'd be looking at that five million. You'd be right there in the ech- highest echelon of women's rankings all time. Yeah, I'm thinking this is a little bit bigger than that UConn South Carolina, and in some ways, I think this will probably be more watched than whatever the eventual national championship ends up being. If in a way, because I think people are really hyped about this, and there's been some talk back and forth between these these two programs and stuff. And so there's a little bit of a budding rivalry here. This is obviously their first time meeting, but there's a little bit of a budding rivalry here. And I, no, I don't want to go too far into the hyperbole, but is this kind of like a Jordan Pistons kind of thing, you know, early Clayton Clark versus her pist her Pistons and that kind of a thing. I don't know. It's not, it maybe it's too early to build it up as that, but like there's, there's some animosity here. There's not a there's not a friendly feelings between these two programs. So Aaliyah Boston is a senior, but is she? Please tell me she's not also coming back. You told me Caitlin Clark is coming back. I cannot imagine both these players still have eligibility. Caitlin has two more years of eligibility. That is unreal friend, uh, because of the COVID year, and the word on the street is that she plans to use both. But is Aaliyah Boston done after this year? I don't know. I don't know. I would imagine that she would be. And if she is, she's the number one pick. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> 100% the number one <laughs> pick. Um, I don't know. Maddie Zegrist. What does she got? Yeah. Maddie, Maddie Zegrist uh, has declared, I believe, and will be like a top five pick. All right. I'm trying to look at scoring here because South Carolina has been hanging. Well, they're kind of all over the board. 72, 76, down to 59, and then up to 86. Your Hawkeyes have been just offensive explosion, 95, 74, 87, 97. Trying to see which way this is going to go. I think it's going to be tight. I think we get the upper middle offense. Just for you, I'll go Hawkeyes, 87, 83. Wow. Um, I will go Hawkeyes, 85, 84. Ooh. And I'm calling a Caitlin Clark game winner. <laughs> well, of course, drama. So we get drama of the highest order, a Caitlin Clark game winner to beat South Carolina in the final four and send Iowa to the national championship. Where they will play the winner of LSU or Virginia Tech that game four in the afternoon. So the Hawkeyes or Gamecocks will know who they'll be facing and this side of the bracket, I think we bungled, even though it really is chalk except for one team. The one, two, three, and four all made it except for Indiana lost to Miami. And then Miami rolled over Villanova, and I was really worried it was going to happen again to LSU. Because even though I missed all these, I'd given the choice I would have picked LSU over Miami. I tried to get behind that Utah team, but Kim Mulkey did her thing and got LSU here to the final four. And right after last week, I said I wanted to pick Virginia Tech, but Tennessee was dominating people. So I went with the Volunteers, and the Hokies got through them and then took it to Ohio State. Uh, 
Don't want to gloss over Ohio State knocking UConn out. I believe it's the first Final Four since 2007 that UConn was not a part of. Losing in the Sweet 16 is a very non-Geno Oriama thing. I watched a lot of that game, and Utah State was handling, or Ohio State was handling them in the second half. So props to the Buckeyes for doing kind of somewhat historical dethroning of the Huskies. And then Virginia Tech, I would say probably the team I'm the least familiar with here in the Final Four is Virginia Tech. Props to them. Uh, I believe I've picked against Kim Mulkey in every single round, so I'm finally going to do it. I will pick LSU, our new favorite player, Angel Reese, to be there. So I've got Hawkeyes and LSU Tigers. Yeah, I hate how much I'm going to agree with you here and take LSU as well. I don't really know much about Virginia Tech either. Um, Sadly, I'll probably be rooting for them, but feel like Angel, like you said, Angel Reese, it's uh, the Angel Reese show, and that's going to, she's going to repel them to a uh, national championship. I don't know if you saw the end of the LSU Utah game. Man, that was brutal. Um, I felt so bad for that girl that airballed the free throw and then missed the second, too. Uh, that was, that was probably one of the roughest endings to, uh, an NCAA tournament game that I've ever seen. So I felt awful for, for her and really wish that Utah could have broken through. And also why does Kim Mulkey think she's Ric Flair? Like, <laughs> have, you, have you seen some of these outfits she's been wearing? Like Dialing and profiling, like, limousine riding. She looks like, she looks like if like Elton John and Ric Flair had a, a love child, which I don't, I know is not possible, but like, Kim Mulkey would be that, you know, she, like she has proven she, herself. She's to the, she's, she's in the effort stage of her career. She's like, what? I'm a multi-time national champion. I'll do what I want. I mean, sure. Uh, do whatever you want, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So I've got Iowa LSU as well uh, for the national championship. And Virginia Tech, so Liz Kitley's been their star. They do have one of the better one-two punches, and I still cannot pronounce the name of the guard. So Liz Kitley's the the double-double machine in the middle. If if you, I know we're picking against this, but that may be the matchup to watch for if you get her in the finals against Leah Boston. So she and uh, Angel Ree should have a good battle here in this one. But then the guard is uh, Georgia Amore. I, I know I'm saying that wrong. That's the simple pronunciation. But So they have her as the guard and then Kitley in the middle. So they've got this great one-two punch leading the way for them. So that's what the Hokies bring to the table. I did see an interview just randomly popped up. I think on Instagram that Angel Reese was doing an interview. She was talking about basically wanting to take basketball back to the bad boys, Pistons and Rodman, Jordan, you know, Isaiah Thomas, Patrick Ewing, those guys from the eighties and nineties. who they just basically had brawls on the court. It's like, that's, that's the kind of basketball she grew up playing and playing with the boys and wanting to play like that. So just made me like her even more that we're in this era of, kind of pampered basketball and ticky tack fouls. And she's like, no, let's you know trash talk and have some aggression out there. So I appreciated that. Um, I can appreciate that as well, but careful what you wish for. If you do end up playing <laughs> Caitlin Clark. Implying Caitlin Clark likes to talk trash. Uh, maybe a little bit, <laughs> maybe a little bit, but she can back it up. So I think she's allowed to, and I'll just say that as an overall point here with the women's tournament, I really like how there's a lot more stars with a lot more flavor who talk a lot of trash. Uh, I mean, Vin Lith has plenty to say, Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark, 
like the, the Cavender twins have plenty to say. Uh, I feel like the Indiana team, I've watched them several times. They have, they have plenty to say out there on the court too. I really think uh, we got a lot of good marketable stars in women's college basketball right now that like to talk uh, trash. And I, I find that to be entertaining. I think it's good for the game. Well, and they've got four fantastic stars left playing. If ESPN and the NCAA marketing machines get behind these people, Angel Reese with LSU, Liz Kelly with Virginia Tech, Caitlin Clark with Iowa, and Aaliyah Boston with South Carolina. I mean, other than Maddie Zegrist, maybe, you kind of have the biggest stars of your sport. Uh, I know Paige yeah. Beckers is out for UConn. She'd be another one to throw in there. But ESPN and the college basketball marketing machine, you've got maybe your four best players in the country. Yeah, if... If the men's tournament is bad from a TV angle, the women's tournament is great from a TV angle with all the stars that we've got here in the final four for the women. All right. So to put a bow on this, or if you have anything else to throw in, but we need to get your official championship picks. You've got Iowa LSU, correct? We both go with those two. Yeah. And I wonder if I'm going to pick Kim Mulkey to beat Iowa. Man, how much, how happy are you going to be if you get to beat South Carolina and Kim Mulkey in the same final four? I feel like I, I'll be over the moon because that means my team won a championship, but I, I almost think it'd be sweeter to beat Kim Mulkey. Uh, I think that would be great. And she should be kicked out of the hall of fame. If we do beat her, uh, just whatever. Um, sorry. I hate Kim Mulkey. I, I can't. Um, Iowa over LSU, obviously in the championship, less dramatic than the final four. Iowa cruises. I will have the same final four, but my my deep lifelong hatred for the Hawkeyes will not allow me to pick them. So I do have to take LSU, sadly, two. I'm not happy about it, but I'd rather have LSU than the Hawkeyes win. So give me LSU to beat Iowa in the finals, like a, like a 75 to 70 game. All right. Well, I will hope that you are wrong about that piece. I'm trying to look. I was watching the game here. Did... Did Wisconsin blow this lead? Wisconsin yes, they blew did. It. Wisconsin blew yes. it. It's because you weren't there in the Orleans arena. You're in Vegas and you weren't on site in the arena. You're saying I need to stay away if I want Utah Valley to win or they're going to blow it as well? Yeah, Utah Valley is going to blow it if you go to the Orleans arena. Ah, I'll watch Unless it. you go to the Orleans arena. Well, I will stay here in the safety of my hotel room and watch on ESPN2 or whatever. All right. All right, what, wait, yes. lo- longer than I expected this week, but we still want to fit in the return of Andrew's top five power rankings. And he thinks that we've had some change, or the more things change, the more they stayed the same. I We've definitely had a little bit of a, of a change. And the angle that I'm looking at this from is the five teams that I think can win it all from least likely to most likely. So I'm going to start out here at number five and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take, I'm going to go ahead and take your Cleveland Cavaliers yeah, about time. I'm going to give them their due respect. I really like, and this is really a vote of confidence in like Evan Mobley, because you know what you're getting with Mitchell, with Garland, with Jared Allen. I feel like those are kind of known commodities, although Donovan Mitchell is probably going to be the key, the star guy, the guy that they look to in key situations. But 
Mobley has kind of cranked it up lately in terms of his play statistically on, on both ends. And he's kind of the guy that kind of unlocks the next level for the Cavaliers. So if they're going to make some sort of a surprising run, I don't think they're going to win it. But if they were to make some kind of a run to the Eastern Conference Finals, it'll be because Mobley just has this breakout playoffs. And so that's why I'm going to go ahead and throw Cleveland in number five. Uh, At number four, I'm going to throw in Philly. Embiid. I got to give Embiid all the respect that he truly deserves. And also James Harden has kind of recreated himself in a way that's fun to play with. I actually kind of like watching James Harden now, which isn't something that I thought I'd say. Um, But I I still think there's a little bit of something missing here. I, I can't quite fully bring myself to trusting James Harden in a playoff scenario quite yet so that's why i've got them down at number four but i do think they're one of the five teams that can win it all and then at number three i gotta go and roll with the nuggets um this is just completely a vote of confidence in nikola Jokic. love his game trust him a little more than james harden which isn't saying much but i do and i think now that murray is fully healthy you've got michael porter Aaron Gordon. I just really like the way that roster is built and they've made it through a couple rounds before. I think this is maybe the year that the Nuggets can break through and and maybe get through the Western Conference and actually end up in the finals. Although I don't think they can beat either of the top two teams once they get there. I I do think they can make it through the Western Conference and they're kind of my, my pick to do so at this point. So I'm going to put Denver at number three. At number two, I'm going to have the Boston Celtics. Love Tatum and Brown and what they bring, but I think there's a lot of questions kind of beyond them. Smart's been injury prone. Robert Williams has been injury prone. I I love the roster that Boston has, but there's – Maybe some questions beyond Tatum and Brown, but Tatum and Brown in and of itself is good enough to carry them to the Eastern Conference Finals. And obviously it was good enough to take them to the NBA Finals. Although I think a lot of that had to do with the Middleton injury and they they couldn't break through against the Warriors. So I've got Boston at my number two. And then I think that leaves a very obvious number one I view this as the most complete team with the most complete player in Giannis. Middleton has looked amazing. Brooke Lopez looks like the defensive player of the year. Drew Holiday is playing very, very well. They've got Jay Crowder mixed in. Ingles looks good. They're deeper than ever. I really think this is the Bucks' year. They they weren't able that a lot of things going against them last year. They were they were not deep enough. They had the Middleton injury, which maybe they could have, with a healthy Middleton, maybe they could have beat the Warriors, but maybe not. But I I really think they're probably the most complete and deepest team that we've got. So assuming full health, which you have to, Milwaukee's the best team in the NBA this year, and I think Milwaukee's going to take home the championship. So that's my number one in my power rankings. So we've got Cavs five, Sixers three, Sixers four. Sixers four, Nuggets three, Nuggets three, Boston two, 
Milwaukee won. So not that I'm disagreeing, but uh, notable by their absence, the beloved beam team and the Grizz, I would say, are the two probably most stand out for where do they fall? Yeah, I I can't put the beam team in the top five contenders just simply based off their defense. Uh, I do think they have a championship level offense. There's no doubt about that. But in the playoffs, you do have to actually play defense in the playoffs and, and games kind of tighten up and become more high, half court and teams really lock in and try. And so I'm not going to – I don't think that – Sacramento is terrible, but they definitely don't have the defense that you need to kind of make it through the slog of the playoffs. Although I would not be shocked at all if the Western Conference Finals is the Nuggets and the Kings. Weird. But I'd, I'd take the Nuggets in that scenario. Uh, you know who has the best scoring defense in the NBA right now? I believe it's the Celtics. Uh, I believe it's the Celtics. Cavaliers by a few points. Ah. Yeah. But I downgrade them because of their offense. Yeah, they don't. Bit. They don't rank us either. But they're yeah. amazing at home. They're thirty and eight at home this year. That is unreal. When you've got the rim protection of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, you're going to do well defensively. It's just that they're a little bit light offensively. Well, Mitchell, they've got really got Mitchell, but then Mobley kind of has to become that second guy for them in terms of scoring, and he's not. He's not quite there yet, but he's showing plenty of signs. He's just not there yet. Uh, probably not much of a coincidence here, but your top six teams in point differential, Celtics, Cavs, Sixers, Grizz, Bucks, Nuggets. So the six teams that have playoff spots locked up. Yep. Although Sacramento will have a playoff spot locked up fairly soon because they play the Blazers back-to-back. So... Are we at all worried that the 76ers have lost three in a row at this point in the season? Um, No, Embiid sat out a couple. They've got their spot locked up. I, yeah, I'm not really, I mean, right now, as it stands, they'd match up with like Brooklyn, maybe Miami if Brooklyn falls off a little bit. I don't really think the Sixers are too worried about Brooklyn or Miami. To be exact, I mean, maybe a little bit concerned about Miami just because the Jimmy Butler factor, but probably not really all that concerned about Miami and definitely not concerned about Brooklyn. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's not really that big of a deal currently. And I would say arguably the hottest team right now somehow is the Grizzlies, who all the issues with the jaw and everybody kind of being over them. And here they are six in a row. And as we're recording this nine and one in their last 10. Yeah, we might have wrote, wrote them off a little bit too soon. Um, but I, I really think that based off what I've seen there, there could be issues that come back up during the playoffs. I just I don't know what it is. I know they've won six in a row here, nine and one, like you just said, but uh, there's something that I just can't quite trust about the, about the Grizzlies. And so I didn't throw them in my top five. Uh, quick MVP update. The sports books and ESPN are telling me that Embiid is the odds on favor right now, basically a three horse race. And even Giannis is falling a little bit, but, Embiid the one, Jokic the two, and then Giannis trailing in third. 
Yeah, and I think this is more just a function of let's give it to someone new. Uh, I think if I had a vote, I'd be giving it to Giannis for everything that the Bucks have done this year. I mean, Middleton's back and healthy now, but he wasn't for most of the season and had to play without Lopez at times and now without Holiday at times and carry them. And he also only plays 30 minutes a night. If he played an extra six minutes a night, his stats would be way more insane than what they are. Um, so I, I'd probably give it to Giannis, but I maybe understand like the fatigue that people have with Giannis and Jokic. And that's why we might give it to Embiid this year. Not to say that Embiid doesn't deserve it because he, he has had an incredible season, but um, I just think it should really truly go to the best player, which is Giannis. Well, he's got good odds right now. If you want to go get some money, go. I think it was like plus 300. So. I just might. I mean, I would have to double down because I I already uh, I already bet on Giannis to win MVP before the season. So I'm, maybe I'm just saying that because I hope my bet cashes. But <laughs> could be could be that I'm just all in on my Giannis bet to win MVP and don't want to give it up. Either way, we've got some tremendous races here to the playoffs as we're getting down to the final about ten games for most teams. Looking at who's going to make it. You've got the neck, the Knicks and the Nets. Are they safe? Can Miami get hot? The Bulls are playing their way in to at least getting into the play in. And then the West is a big jumbled mess from the Clippers to the Suns, all the way down to the Warriors, the suddenly red hot Pelicans. And hey, the Lakers are in right now. So some good races in the East, but that West is going to be a big jumbled mess here in the final two weeks. Then we'll have a nice NBA preview episode weaved in here, maybe as part of our 100th episode spectacular so NBA, a lot of good, basically great games every night the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, good luck trying to make sense of the Western Conference playoffs this year. It's the it's the Pepe Silvia gif. Of- yes. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And yeah, I mean, just, just good luck. <laughs> Anything else we need to get to on this week's show? Absolutely uh, not. I don't think so. That's it. Jammed in a lot of good meaty conversation on March Madness, the men's and women's, and even the NIT. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back next week. Current plan is to get Austin in for episode 99 and get an MLB season preview. Maybe check in on some NFL. And then Andrew and I are in the lab working out what we're going to do for episode 100. Maybe a big, long episode, some special features, some stuff we've never done before. So in the next fortnight, we'll try to figure out our vision for that. We thank you all for joining us, and we will see you next week.